We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast for part of the Blue Wire Network. I am Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. Jason, we're going to be doing a little mailbag segment today because guess what, dude? The NBA news cycle has grinded to a halt. The Kevin Durant rumors are done. Hey, RJ Barrett, man. RJ Barrett erasure. <laughs> oh, bro, I was getting there. Okay. <laughs> Durant rumors are over. The Bulls do not seem to be... Uh, looking to improve the roster at all. It seems like this is going to be the roster heading into training camp. And just about the only thing in the league uh, that we're waiting on right now is a potential Donovan Mitchell trade, likely to the Knicks. There's some more teams potentially interested. We'll see if it happens. I feel like Donovan Mitchell is going to be on the Knicks at some point this year. Too much smoke for this not to happen. And it seems like, more importantly, there's like no other realistic landing spot for him. Like, I get that the Jazz want, like, five first-round picks for Donovan yeah. Mitchell, but if the Knicks are going to give you hypothetically four versus two from the Heat, like, it seems like the Knicks are not going to bid against themselves for once, which, who knows, we'll have plenty of time to talk about what uh, Donovan Mitchell Knicks team could look like and under Thibodeau, but uh, for now, we're going to be talking, uh, you know, mailbag, taking your questions. You guys submitted a lot of great questions on Twitter. Thank you for that. But first, we're going to talk a little Sky. Sky, tough loss in the semifinals, game one, to open the series against the Connecticut Sun. Sun win 68-63. Low scoring. This was a series I had a lot of confidence in from the Sky's perspective. The Sky, of course, beat the Connecticut Sun in this same round, the semifinals last year, when the Sun were the heavy favorites to win the championship. So the Sky pulled off a big upset against them last year. And ever since that series, they have owned the Sun. Uh, The last time the Sky lost to Connecticut was in game two of last year's semifinals. Then they won two straight to close out that series. They won the season series in the regular season this year 4-0. But a lot of those games were very close. And what we saw in game one, I think, is sort of a nightmare style scenario for the Sky. Now, I still believe the Sky are going to win this series. Yeah, that last series, they lost the first game and then won the next two. Pretty bad they're handling. But I no longer feel quite as confident for one reason. This Connecticut Sun team, I mean, the first comparison that came to my head is the 90s Knicks. I tweeted about this. Mike Prada, my close friend former editor at SB Nation, he's like, oh, aren't they the grit and grind Grizzlies? Well, either way, you get the point. The Sun are a big physical team, and the referees allowed the game to be played physically. 
the son were just whacking the shit out of Kalia Copper every single time she came to the basket. Happy birthday, Kalia. It was her 28th birthday. And the present she got from the officials was getting fouled 20 times and it never getting called. Meanwhile, the sky, like, they can't even play a physical game like that. They don't have the size. They don't have the strength. The sky are very much a team based around tempo, passing, ball movement, cutting, and just being like a high IQ team. The sky are not going to go out there and try to crash the offensive glass and try to do bully ball. That's the Suns game. And in game one, just the way it was officiated, uh, the flow of the game allowed Connecticut to really play a more physical game. And I think that that hurt the sky. Now, in general, I think that the sky also just had so many off nights from their top players. Basically, Candace Parker was absolutely incredible. 19 points, 18 rebounds, six blocks, five assists, four steals. Came one steal away from a five times five game with 19 points and 18 rebounds. That's legitimately one of the greatest playoff games you will ever see in a losing effort. Candace fucking dominated that game on both ends of the floor. And you know what? She even hit three threes. And that was something I've mentioned on multiple Sky Preview pods where it's like, okay, Candace can't hit any threes lately. She was even knocking a few shots down from deep. She went three and nine from behind from behind the arc. So Candace played basically a perfect game. Unfortunately, everyone else kind of sucked. <laughs> Andersloot, brutal game. She'll never play that poorly again. She had five points on two of eight shooting. Uh, it just didn't seem like she was able to get the consistent paint touches that normally helps drive the Chicago offense. And then her wife, Courtney Vandersloot, 0 of 5 from 3, she wedged a three-pointer, which is like truly a sign of the apocalypse when one of the greatest shooters in human history, Ellie Quigley, is wedging a three. Uh, she's not going to shoot 2 of 8 or 3 of 10 again uh, in 0 of 5 from 3. So I feel generally pretty good that like the rest of the sky can raise their level of play. But I mean, it's tough to lose a game like that when Candace totally goes off. I will say Emma Meesman just looked a little overwhelmed by Connecticut's physicality and just their youth. Uh, Meesman was a finals MVP for the Washington Mystics in 2019. She's awesome. She's sort of like this team's version of Al Horford, where she's like the big, slow, <laughs> a little bit older front court player. But I think she's only like 29. I, I might be wrong about that. I haven't checked. She is 29. I'm correct. Uh, it's on Jerry Drummond, 29 years old. Or exactly, something like there you that. Go. She's like such a heady player. Big and slow. But in this series, it might just come down to brute force. And the sun led by last year's MVP, John Quell Jones, led by Alyssa Thomas, who literally plays basketball with one arm, but completely dominates. And, uh, you know, led by Duana Bonner and uh, Bree Jones off the bench. Like, the Sun don't have guards, but, man, do they have a lot of bigs. And tough, tough opening game for this guy. I'm still confident they can win this series. They're going to need to gas up the offense tempo-wise, They're going to need to hit more outside shots. You look at the sky in game one, eight of 30 from three. Yeah, I mean, 63 points. Now the sun only went three at 13. And, you know, this guy hasn't been able to shoot from the outside, you know, for the second half of the season. It is an issue. But I'd like to think they can still come up with a game plan to beat this team. James Wade, their head coach, is a brilliant tactician. And, yeah, it was a a wake-up call. But you know what? It's (laughs) – What's the old saying? It's hard to beat a good team three times. Well, it's hard to beat a good team five times yeah, in a row. Well. Right. And it uh, had been six times, right? Going back to yeah. last season. So, the, And this is a best of five, right? So it's not like last series where they lose the first game and you lose another one. You're done. They still got uh, best of five to get here. So, yeah, I just yeah, 63 points, obviously just super low number. Offense clearly just had a brutal, brutal night. You mentioned eight of 30 from three. That's not great. Even if that's way more than what the Sun do, uh, the Sun just uh, I, are they just a bad three point shooting team in general? Is that like they have no guards? Okay, yeah, yeah so they just don't just shoot like threes. an all interior team. So yeah, so yeah, don't no no sky is falling just yet. Obviously, if they come out and lose game two, which is tomorrow night, correct in Chicago at Wintrust Wednesday night. Obviously, correct. they lose that one. Now that's that's problematic. But come back, you come back and win game two. You're tied one one, best of three. You got to be, you're still in a pretty good spot. 
I think so too. Uh, but like nothing is going to come easy this series. Right. Yeah. Even though the sky owned the sun, you know, entering this series, uh, this is going to be fucking warfare, dude. I mean, <laughs> Connecticut is really physical, really big, really tough. And also they led the league in net rating. It's not like this is just like a goon team that's going to foul you. Yeah, they're going to do that. But also they had the best net rating in the league. Last year they had, you know, the MVP and John Quell Jones. Who's they were still the top amazing. seed. And yeah, like they're a legitimately awesome team. So I do think we kind of got lulled into a false sense of security because it was 4-0 and all those games were close too. And because, you know, this guy pulled the upset last year, but yeah, nothing's going to come easy. Nothing easy is as I would say. And I'm jacked <laughs> up for the rest of the series and I expect it to give me like a heart attack <laughs> watching every game because that's what game one felt like. Yeah. All right, let's do mailbag. And we have we got a few questions uh, from our loyal Twitter followers about the sky. So we might as well just transition it and keep talking sky with these mailbag questions. Uh, not necessarily about the series. They're just kind of more general fun questions here. Starting with the NBA Med podcast. That's at NBA Med pod. Asked if you could draft one Chicago Sky player to be on the Bulls roster next year, who would it be? Ricky, who was your answer? Great I mean, question. I mean, there's a lot of potential answers because this guy basically started five all-stars. But if we're just talking about for next year, and that was the question, right? Yeah. Yes. For next year, probably Candace, because the Bulls need a four. They need someone who could sort of bring that all-around game that Candace can bring. Like Candace could help, you know, potentially space the floor for Vooch. She's insanely good defensively. Like she put out a defensive masterpiece in game one of that semifinals loss. Uh, so I think, you know, she'd improve them there. Her passing would be a big asset for the team. And she's someone who doesn't really need the ball to make an impact. So I'm going to go Candace. I think Ellie Quigley. I was going to say Quigley was the three point shooting. Seems like would also be a pretty good choice here. But I also think Quigley's probably, probably their worst starter. I mean, this guy have all, Every player is like an all-star. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, they're all really good. But yeah, Quigley for the shooting would be good. So I'm going to make a ring. You know what? Like with the second best player on the team is probably Vandersloot. But you know what? Kalia Copper is awesome yeah. too. <laughs> That's the thing about the sky. They just got so many good players, so many stars. But like Vandersloot would be incredible in Lonzo's absence. Uh, and like her game is totally different than Lonzo's. Like she is more of like your traditional floor general. And she can shoot. Uh, so Vandersloot's incredible. She would be a totally legit option. And then Copper is just the goat. I mean, I love Copper. She's <laughs> one of my favorite athletes of all time. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. The way she attacks the basket with so much speed and uh, ferocity, if you can imagine her and Zach on the same court would just be like burst overload and explosiveness overload. So I'm going to go with Candice, but man, there's, there's a lot of good options. A lot of good options. Yeah. Another sky question from at real Frank Carl. This is about Candace Parker. Is Candace Parker the most fun player to have on your team imaginable? If you're a hoops junkie, just impacts winning. Candace rocks. Yeah, she's so good. I mean, basically, the end of that tweet, just impacts winning, is just so true. Like, her impact goes well beyond the box score. Now, obviously, her last box score was, like, the most incredible shit you've ever Historic. seen. Historic. <laughs> but, like, dude... She affected way more shots defensively than the six block she was credited for. Like she just wipes away opportunities that the other team doesn't even think about taking because of her presence on the court. It's just her IQ is so high. And I mean, you could see it in her work as an analyst. Like she's way sharper as an yeah. analyst than anyone else on that TNT set. Uh, and she's really skilled and like, dude, I mean, she's just been around forever. Like she had the quote after the first round game. She's like, I'm old for an athlete. <laughs> I think I mentioned this before, like Candace was one year ahead of me in high school. She graduated in 04. I graduated in 05. Jason over here, pathetically young. He's an 06 high school graduate. But I feel like I've just been reading about Candace and Quigley, who are both 04s, for my entire life in the newspaper, right? Steve Tucker in the Chicago Sun-Times <laughs> was always writing about Candace and Quigley. And uh, it's just like that much time in the spotlight and that much experience playing in big time games, winning, you know, multiple national championships in college, being rookie of the year, league MVP and a champion in her rookie year, I believe, of the WNBA. Like she's just next level, dude. She impacts winning so well. And I do think this is going to be it for Candace. I was going to just ask. I feel like she hinted at the start of the season that like this was going to be it for like didn't officially say anything, but 
like hinted. I can't remember who she was talking to. Uh, but you do think this is this is gonna be her last hurrah here? Well, she's a new mom, right? Yep. Yep. And I think it's just tough when you got a newborn baby at home. Obviously, she has another daughter who's like 12 or something. Her daughter's like super tall. Uh, and I would bet that like, all right, she's got to be making more money on TNT. Yeah. And she, came, and she came home and ma- she got the job done. It won the title. So it won like, the title. And then like money wise, like her salary is like $205,000, I believe. She's just like not making that much money playing basketball because yeah. she doesn't play basketball overseas overseas yeah so she's making her money through endorsements and she's making her money TNT. through the TNT stuff and i would bet that stuff is more lucrative uh than hooping and the thing about hooping is that you got to keep your body in peak physical condition year round and it only gets harder as you get older so i think like just that aspect of yeah. it uh, I think this is it for Candace. I think she walks off into the sunset regardless of how this year ends. I hope not because I love watching her play and I think she could truly compete at an all star caliber. Yeah, obviously, she can still play <laughs> plenty in the tank. Yeah. yeah, yeah, well, I guess we will see. All right, let's talk more about some Bulls stuff. Obviously, we got some Bulls questions here. Uh, we just said we got a couple, uh, and we Obviously, we kind of have addressed this multiple times. Ricky mentioned it at the start at the top, just about any other. Will the Bulls make any other moves? We got this from, uh, let's see, at Lee writes a lot and at uh, T. Bracken Jr. Uh, sorry if I butchered the name. We might have had one other person ask about that. But basically, any other notable moves that we can we think we can expect Um I guess also we could also type uh, tie in Jermaine Jones here, Jermaine at Jermaine six eleven, asking about the lack the shooting. Why didn't the Bulls address shooting? Do we think they'll do anything to address shooting at this point? Ricky, you, could, you mentioned this at the top, basically that it seems like this is it for the Bulls. Uh, we get, talked about it. Someone mentioned Joe, Tony Bradley's roster spot. What will, they, what will they do with Justin Lewis? Was he signed the two way deal? Is there anything else we can expect? Like at this point, it does seem like. The 15 guys are probably set. I guess Tony Bradley maybe is one. Like, I don't know if they can trade him uh, to like someone that you probably, if anything, they trade him to like clear uh, space below the tax and you maybe sign somebody else. I believe I don't have the roster, the actual like payroll in front of me right now and like the math where if could they like wave and stretch him out and then maybe sign someone else to say under the tax. Obviously, we don't really care about them staying under the tax, but we know that they do, and that's just the harsh reality of it. I know. I think I saw a tweet yesterday that was like, right now, I think the non-tax teams are slated to get $16 million. I think it's going to go down probably a little bit as more teams maybe duck the tax. But right now, it's like historic tax windfall going to non-tax teams for the season because of like the Warriors uh, and the Clippers and those two, the, and like the, the Nets probably too, just paying gobs of tax. Uh, so like the bulls are right below it right now. So like they might maybe, maybe make some very minor moves. They'll obviously, uh, I think fill out the training camp roster. I, I don't remember how many spots they have left. Uh, obviously the Justin Lewis thing is, is really unfortunate. Uh, I would assume they're probably going to cut him loose. I'm, and they're not going to use a, a two way spot on an injured guy. Right. You wouldn't think so. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. You think they'll get, uh, you try to use that on somebody else, which is really unfortunate because uh, the Bulls were lauded. We praise them for that for that pick undrafted pickup. But yeah, I mean, at this point, it doesn't seem like there's anything else like notable that they're going to do, right? I mean, do you think? That, I mean, do they try to bring in a veteran? Like we've talked, we joked. You joked, maybe not really joked about Mello. Mello is still out there. Uh, they don't need any more big guys. If anything, they do need shooting. Jermaine Brent mentioned the shooting, watching that playoff series. They need shooting. They didn't address the shooting. Like, is a guy like Mello somebody they try to bring in? Like I said, maybe dump Tony Bradley, whether they wave and stretch him, whether they trade him to some team and not bring anything back. I mean, I'd be I'd be fine with that. I'd give Mello the last roster spot if they could, if they open something up. But anything else left? We saw Marquise Morris just get picked up by the Nets today. I mean, there's some other veterans out there. Uh, anything else you see out there that you think could be at least be interesting if the Bulls decide to make other moves? Bro, I tweeted about Mello two weeks before right. the agency. I know, I said, yeah. What would be good on a minimum deal? I still yeah. think that. Uh, to me, this team has so much overlap in terms of their skill set. Like, Javante and Derek Jones are kind of similar. 
there's just like a lot of guys who I think like like Drummond and Vooch are kind of similar, just in terms of like the schemes you can play with those guys. So I think they need some more shooting for sure. Uh, I feel like we're going to sound like broken records because we're going to be talking about this all year, but they need to add some shooting. Will they do anything? I don't think they're going to do anything that takes them over the luxury tax. So like how much wiggle room is there? I'm not totally sure right now in terms of like, could they add a player without going into the tax? You know, $16 million, man. Just for a small market team like the Bulls, being able to add that $16 million. I mean, there's no way Reinsdorf is going to go into the tax when he's getting a chunk of change that sweet. And it's just pathetic, and I'm just still mad about it, that, like, yeah, that money comes from the other big market teams that are trying to win. The Bulls are a big market team that just doesn't think they need to spend all the money they can to try to build a winner. So super frustrating. Uh, will they improve the roster? I don't. I think they will always stop at improving the roster if it takes them past the luxury tax. We yeah. got a question about the luxury tax from Stephen. Ta- yeah, from Stephen Taylor at Torch Zero Two. He said, "We'll hashtag sell the team, bleed over into basketball ops, and let us go into the luxury tax." I'm sure. I believe that's probably a reference to the White Sox because White Sox yeah. fans are pissed as fuck. And obviously, you, Ricky, are a huge White Sox fan. We've seen sell the team signs at Guaranteed Rate Field because the team is just absolutely falling apart. Have had probably the most disappointing team in Major League Baseball this season. They're what two games under 500 now at a time, and they're like five games out of, I think the behind the Guardians and like six games out of the wild card. Like right now, it looks like the White Sox are definitely not going to the playoffs. Still like a month left, but. Fans are restless. It's been a horror. I mean, Larusa should have should fire himself. Like I said, Larusa like Larusa needs to pull the John Pax and fire himself to the front office. Obviously, you'd rather just fire him to the sun. But Jerry, we know Jerry. That's his boy. Uh, so if anything, he'll get that uh, that golden parachute to like consultant role, like John Paxson did. Uh, but I guess just like yeah, I mean, probably r- right now it's probably they're probably not going to go into the luxury tax. I would guess and like. I also saw there were also some rumors, some like really fake rumors going around about Jug Cherry selling the team. Or I think it was a Michael Reinsdorf stepping down. I can't even remember where I saw that. That might have been like a Reddit thing. People were getting excited on like a weekend recently. Obviously, I don't think there's anything really to that. But uh, I guess, Ricky, if you, do you want to use this a few minutes here to rant about your Chicago White Sox and just like and, and Jerry Reinsdorf in general and the ownership of two of your favorite sports teams? Chicago sports will never prosper until Jerry Reinsdorf is. <laughs> long gone i mean that's just the reality of it hopefully when that day finally comes his children will decide to sell the teams and hopefully those teams stay in chicago reinstorf himself obviously tried to move the white Sox to tampa bay when they were at the peak of their powers back in the 90s but uh yeah like good ownership is the best thing you can have going for you as a sports franchise the Bulls in the White Sox are owned by a completely miserable prick who doesn't like sports and who runs them like they are, you know, the Gary Railcats in the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> like he does not care enough to try to win. He had that quote a few years ago in re- in regard to the White Sox. He was like, you know, the best thing you can do is be second place because it keeps the fans wanting more. I don't think anyone with his level of power and wealth has ever said something so honest in their entire <laughs> life. As Jerry said in that moment, I truly believe that that was just like pure fucking truth coming out of Reinsdorf, that he would rather have a second place team because the ticket sales can be higher and fans will be invested. Like, the fact that the 2005 White Sox won the World Series was such an incredible, happy accident. And to me, you know, one of my favorite teams ever, obviously. Yeah. I love that team. They were legitimately awesome. They won 99 games. They dominated in the playoffs. It wasn't really fluky that they won because no. they were just a really good team. But just the fact that, like, everything came together like that was not because of strong ownership. It was, you know, just like they caught – they caught magic that year. Reinsdorf sucks. Chicago sports will never prosper until he's gone. And I mean, that's what it is, dude. Like there's really no way around it. Hopefully the bulls get sold when he's gone and they can get an owner like Steve Ballmer who won't hesitate to like flex his financial might and will treat the bulls like the world-class franchise they deserve to be. And then like Reinsdorf loves the white Sox, but like even he still put, 
Tony Larusa is the manager, <laughs> and my buddy John Wilms, That's brilliant writer for for Real GM among other places, said that you know, for Ryan Sorf, it's not about winning at this point; it's about emotional closure. Like that's really what he needs towards the end of his life in his eighties. And it's like, you're fucking pathetic, dude. Like (laughs) we sucked shit for an entire decade of the 2010s being the White Sox for this rebuild. And as soon as the rebuild finally bubbles up, like you bid just enough to finish in second for Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. Meanwhile, you sign all these other idiot players who suck to contracts totaling the same big one. Literally, Reinsdorf has given out one contract ever for either team, totaling $100 million. That That's was Zach this summer, who took him for a damn ride, $200 million. <laughs> damn right. Love that for you, Zach. Get that money, Zach. Get that money, Zach. Take this old man out back. <laughs> Get that money. But uh, Reinsdorf sucks. There's no other way to spin it. He's a fucking bad owner. He's always been Ch- a bad owner. Chicago sports in general. Michael Jordan. Yeah. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Chicago sports in general outside the sky is real rough. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as J.J. does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We did get a a Bears question. Good Bears-Bulls comp question here from at FrodoTL. Which number will be lower, Bulls seed or Bears win total? Both looking around six or seven to me. So let's see. Bears, let's go with, I mean, Bulls win to Bulls seed. We've talked about, yeah, I mean, six, seven sounds about right. I mean, we, when we went through the schedule, we both came up with 44 wins, which is probably seven or eight. I think that's what it was last year. Uh, I want to be a little more optimistic, but right now it is still campy with Lonzo still up in the air. And the Bears, the undefeated preseason Bears, preseason by, Bears. by the way. Uh, I mean, I, I would still like as awesome as like fields looked in that last preseason game. I mean, and like, it seems like the coaching's better. You uh, have hope for fields. Uh, they're po- trying to build the culture and rebuilding here. I still just don't, I feel like they just don't have enough talent to actually win many games. Uh, I mean, the Browns had, I think they didn't have what Garrett or Clowney or like their top two corners playing. So it's like, you had, good job for roasting those backups, but like take that stuff with a grain of salt. So like, this Bears team, I'm probably thinking they win five or six. And then the Bulls will probably be, what, six or seven, maybe eight. So I guess lower would then be probably the Bears win total, I would think. What do you think? What, what are yours, what's your thought there? 
Man, I talked to my dad yesterday. My dad's a diehard Bears fan, and he gets so optimistic. Oh, yeah. I was in every year, like every year. Yesterday, we're talking. I'm like, yeah, you know, like there's really no bad scenario for the Bears as long as Field stays healthy. Like they can get a top five pick, and I'd be happy about them getting a top five pick, even if they lose a lot, as long as Field stays healthy. And, you know, if they pick like 14 or something, that means the team's a little closer than we thought they were. And that would be a good scenario, too. My dad's like, Rick, they could pick 20th. They're going to be. I'm like, "Okay, I don't know. Anyways, how many games are the Bears going to win this year? So there is an extra game, obviously. Right. Yeah. So it's not six and ten anymore. It would be six and eleven or seven and ten. Are they going to beat the Niners week one with Trey Lance starting? Like the Niners are a legit, like sick team, but we don't know if Trey Lance is any good. And the Niners right. O-line looks bad. It looks like horrible. Jimmy G is going to be looking over his shoulder now still. <laughs> I'm saying Bears win six games. All right. Bulls yeah. get the seventh seed. All right. So still Bears low with a lower number there. Uh, yeah, because I, I'm, I'm in a group text with a couple friends and I have a friend every year when the bear season starts talks himself in that to them winning nine or 10 games. I don't think he's quite there this year, but like I was in a group with him yesterday. Shout out to my friend, Brian, uh, that he's like, all right, totally fully expecting them to beat the Niners. And now I'm talking myself into that. I think they play the Packers week two. And he's like talking myself into them beating the Packers week two. And I'm just like, God bless you, man. Every year you talk yourself into the bears and then they let us down, but fields did look good. It seems like they're at least going to use him better this year. Actually like bootleg, get him on the run because he was obviously poorly, poorly used by Matt Nagy last year. So yeah, I mean, the, the bears are in a decent spot, like in terms of like, like you said, in like a no lose situation, as long as fields like doesn't tear his ACL, just suffer a major injury. If he shows some development, some nice strides with the shit they have around him and they lose, they go over like four and 13. Like that's, that's fine or whatever. Like they're, they're number, they have like so few weapons their defense is obviously they traded Khalil Mack. We'll see if they trade Robert Quinn at any point. But yeah, I mean, if Fields shows development and stays healthy and has like a nice year while the team sucks, that's probably the best case scenario because then they have a ton of cap space next year. You get a high pick. You you can't complain too much about that. So it will be an interesting season for the Bears. I, it's just hard for me to see them winning a lot, but go ahead. No expectations, so they can't really hurt yeah. us as long as Fields stays healthy. That's the only thing I want out of this year. Also, watching these, so I didn't like, the Eberflus hire really like to me, it would have made more sense to hire an offensive head coach and to spend your money on wide receivers and your draft picks on wide receivers. And instead, like we hire a defensive first head coach who, you know, sounds like he's sort of out of the nineties. He wants to like run the ball. They use their draft picks on the secondary, but here's the thing. Nagy was horrible. Obviously everyone who has even a 1% interest in the Chicago bears recognizes Matt Nagy was trash, a bad, dirty head coach. (laughs) However, if you would have asked me, Jason, who was the worst head coach, Jim Boylan or Matt Nagy? I would have said, obviously Boylan was way more incompetent than Nagy was. At least the bears had that 2018 season. Boylan. Yeah. And they like liked him at least for a little bit. Like club dub was fun. He seemed to like have a good energy about him, but then he just, Find out he just couldn't coach a team, didn't know what the hell he was doing, terrible adjustments, all that kind of stuff. Is it possible, Jason, that Matt Nagy was Jim Boylan level bad? I think it's possible. I don't think he was like, I wouldn't say he was quite as big a buffoon, I guess, although I did hate his most of his answers to the media. So I don't know. I, I don't know if I could go that bad, but obviously, like, they squandered all that goodwill after that 2018 season, just embarrassingly bad. Like, if you had a great Nagy as a head coach, like, when he was fired, I probably would have said, He's probably a D. But now I'm like, is he like an F minus minus <laughs> minus where like even we got like a guy who just wants to run the ball and build a good defense. Like even that, like just the fact that they're more organized and like Nagy. Here's my last thing and then we'll move on. Yeah. Did Nagy ever use a timeout after a play? He only <laughs> used timeouts when they couldn't fucking line up right. He would call them before yeah. plays. He never he used was a, a timeout ball. after a play. His entire head coaching tenure. And NFL coaches should just play Madden and coach like Madden. And instead, like Matt Nagy tried to be a big brain genius when he was a dumb idiot. He was a very bad game day coach. That's that is for sure. Yeah, very bad. All right. We had a few other questions here. Um, We had a couple of Vooch questions, so we'll combine these. Um, One was about his an extension, which obviously we have talked about before. Let me find it. 
Okay, my here we go from uh at Maddie D nineteen eighty one. Why and how much does a Vooch extension make sense? And then uh from from Jim Boylan's punch clock at Rafo Show, uh Hoopsipe apparently had a top ten centers list entering next season that did not have Vooch on it. Uh, and he said, should Vooch be on this list? So let's start with the extension thing. Like I said, we have to kind of talked about it. What kind of extension would you give Vooch? Um, I think we have, I, I think we both kind of said like a one plus one at like 15 to 20 million a year at most. Like if you're going like two years, 40 million with like a team option, I guess, probably not a player option. Uh, maybe that was more me. Maybe you, I was, I know you were, I think more against it than I was when we talked about this, but uh, if you've thought about it, if you've thought about it anymore, or do you just not want to do it at all at this point? Where have you changed your mind on that at all? Yeah, it's tough, dude. But at the end of the day, to me, like re-signing Vooch just feels like it's, you know, a sunk cost type of thing. Where like you want to protect this bad move you already made. They still owe next year's first round pick because of the Vooch trade. So, yeah, I mean, you can obviously talk yourself into it both ways, but like if Vooch has another bad year and we're still stuck with that contract, it would be (laughs) like very tough to stomach. So it would have to, I would do a Vooch extension only on very team friendly terms. And why would Vooch agree to? And he probably won't, right? Like even like two, like even if it was like a one plus one, like, well, I guess why would he even do that? Like I feel like he'd rather like, think, okay, maybe I can have a big season and then sign something decent either as a free agent or comes back to the Bulls. Uh, I think there will be more money in free agency next year. I'd have to look, but uh, he probably thinks he could get more than two more years at whatever, 15 to 20 million. So it does feel like a situation where it would be hard to see them finding common ground there, but maybe they do. Maybe Vooch is more uh, realistic about what he is as a player and what his market will be in the NBA at this point. So maybe he would be willing to take a little less to get a little more just guaranteed money there for him. So I don't know. We'll see. As for this list, here's the list of these top 10 centers from Hoopside. Uh, Nicole Jokic, Joel Embiid, Bam Adebayo, Rudy Gobert, DeAndre, and Jared Allen, DeMontis Sabonis, Robert Williams, Jonas Valanciunas, Miles Turner. Do you think Vooch deserves to be ahead of the, any of those guys? I would say maybe Miles Turner, and that's probably it. Or maybe right? Jonas. Yeah, like he has a case for nine or 10, I guess, but. No, all those other guys are clearly better. Yeah. Like, right. Like that. Like, yeah, like pretty, I would say clearly better. Like, uh, I mean, Allen was an all-star last year and just both ends of the court. I know Robert Williams doesn't have like the numbers, but like we know Robert He's Williams is better. one of the best defensive players in the NBA. Uh, his impact is just massive. Sabonis is obviously an all-star guy and he's still pretty young. Aiden young, one of the better centers in the league. And then obviously those other top guys. So it's like Jon- Jonas Valanciunas, like he puts up pretty good, num- pretty big numbers and like, Defensive wise, they're probably pretty similar. So, like, you could like probably argue. Let me see. What, I don't even remember Jonas' number. Yeah, Jonas averaged 11, 18, 11, and two and a half. He shot 54% from the field and 36% from three. Uh, I guess you're probably taking that over what Vooch gave last year. Uh, and then obviously Miles Turner, we've we've talked about as a possible, like, should they trade for Miles Turner as a Vooch, as like a Vooch, not necessarily upgrade, but like he's just different can also shoot the three, but also just obviously much better defensively. So like Turner's numbers don't look very impressive. He's not much of a rebounder, but he's a much better defensive player and can do a little bit offensively. So like, I wouldn't like, I don't, I'm not going to say like Booch is definitely like a better slash more impactful player than miles Turner. So nine or 10 at most on that list. I'm not like offended that he is off it at this point. He just, I mean, Vooch was not that good last year. His, he still puts up pretty good counting stats, but efficiency wise, not very good, a below average true shooting eff- efficiency, and obviously his defense is average at best. So, like, you're not going to get me like complaining or like complaining that he was not on that list for sure. Um, couple questions. Uh, Zach Levine, Patrick Williams, expectations for this season. Someone that guy Murph TV asked for a Patrick Williams stat line. Then we just got a general question from about Zach. What were our expectations for him? Patrick Williams stat line. Looking at his stat line last year was like nine, four, and one, and obviously like in minimal playing time. I th- we have talked about like, can you get to what, like fifteen points a game? That seems like a big jump. Let's go with what if he's going to be playing. He played twenty four point eight minutes per game last year in 17, 17 games, twenty eight minutes per game the year before that. But I think he'll probably play a bit less. I guess uh, twenty eight to thirty minutes a game. I guess could maybe make some sense. I would hope for Pat this year to be at twelve or thirteen points a game six or seven rebounds, 
And then, I mean, he's not going to be much of a passer. So you get a couple assists there. You hope he shoots around 50%. If he can make 40 ish percent from three, uh, I think that's fair. Like, I'm not expecting some like massive jump to 15 to 17 points per game. What do you think? I would love 15 points a game. If he could get 15 points a game, that would be sick. Unfortunately, I feel like it may depend on like, can DeMar stay healthy? The whole yeah. Year? Like, my thing with Pat is I just don't know if he's a good fit with DeMar. Because I think they both sort of want to operate on similar spots of the floor. Like, Pat doesn't really make DeMar better because he's such a hesitant outside shooter. And does DeMar make Pat better? Like, tough to say that, too, right? Like, I think there there is some overlap in their games. And, you know, maybe one day DeMar leaves the team. He's under contract for two more years, and Pat sort of ascends into getting the opportunities that DeMar is getting now. Now, granted, DeMar, like, sets the bar so damn high. Like, yeah, DeMar last year was brilliant. Totally, insanely good. He had one bad month. And besides for that one bad month, he was awesome the entire year. And it's just foolish to be like, oh, well, Pat can do what DeMar does when DeMar's not there. Like, no, he's not going to unless he becomes a stud in a superstar the way DeMar is. But in terms of his numbers, uh, I would love to see 15 a game. Give me 15 a game. Is it going to happen? I'm a little skeptical. Yeah, if if like the over-under for Pat Williams points per game was 14 and a half, what would you bet? No, I'm not good at gambling. Neither am I. I would bet under. but I would probably bet under, but I would hope over. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And then how about Zach Levine? What do you think? Is he going to, you think, I mean, obviously a lot of it depends on how his knee is. Um, Do you think he has another level to his game or do you think he's kind of, we kind of know where he is at this point. He'll average like 25 a game. Um, Or do you think he'll maybe take still, you think he'll still take more of a backseat to DeMar? Do we think DeMar is still one A and Zach is more one B thoughts on that? I don't know. I mean, the thing is that Zach basically before last year got better every season. And then last year he took a step back just because of his role on the team. And then he got and injuries injuries in the second half of the year. So it's hard to say. I do think that Zach certainly has plenty of room for improvement in his game. Like if he just improves 5% more on defense or 5% more as a playmaker, you know, hypothetically he could improve 5% more as a, shooter which would make him an awesome shooter just like based on his role on the team like if he's being utilized more in like you know movement shooting sets and stuff like that I think that could help him level up in general I want to say that Zach has another level up but I'm not really counting on it just because the injuries in his role and you know when Zach really was putting up those incredible scoring efficiency numbers like the team was losing. So now that it's a winning team, it's like, it's going to be tough for him to like replicate his 2020 stats or something. So like last year, last year he averaged 24.4 points per game over or under that for 20, for this season. I'll go slightly over. I would say over as well. He averaged 27.4 the year before that. Obviously that was uh, his ridiculous shooting numbers. No fans, no tomorrow. I don't know if he'll average 27 a game at this point, but the year before that was 25.5. I think he could be around 25 a game. And you say, you hope maybe the three point percentage comes up to 40% again. Uh, He shot 47.6% overall. I think his, his two point percentage dipped from, he shot 57% on twos in 2021. So you, maybe you hope if he's healthier, maybe the finishing, maybe the mid range stuff comes back a bit more and he gets that two point percentage up. And if he still shoots 39%, 40% from three, he gets, he adds another point or two to his scoring total uh but yeah i'm not expecting some like huge jump obviously i think at this point he is 26 now he'll be in this will be his what eighth year in the league two three four five six his ninth year so like i think for the most part he probably is what he is maybe he gets a little better at passing a little better at defense which obviously a little any a little increment incremental improvement will help in terms of the scoring i'm not sure if he's gonna be that much more um Last question here, and this one's just kind of a general fun little question. This was from at Samadi Samadi Yi. Sorry for butchering that, probably. Can you and Ricky go over what made you fans of the NBA basketball Chicago Bulls in general? It's just a general fun question here. I'll answer first. Uh, My first Bulls memory was watching it was hilariously enough. 
John Paxson's game winning three pointer in game six of the, or yes, game six of the 1993 NBA finals. I was five years old. My dad was watching. So I was watching with him as a little five year old. Didn't really know that much of what was going on, but I remember watching it. Remember it being really cool to see them win, winning that championship. And then I obviously super getting into, into, um, the second three-peat, I was obviously super into the Bulls and just kept watching them through the shitty post-Dynasty years. I stuck with them and obviously have stuck with them ever since. But yeah, hilariously enough, for all the shit we've given John Paxson over the years for being shitty at his job, it is John Paxson who helped me get into the Bulls with his game winner in the 1993 NBA Finals. How about you, Rick? That's legitimately like one of my earliest memories in life. So I was born in 87, so I yeah. still like pretty young for the first three P. Don't really remember that. I remember 93, you know, just the packs and shot. I remember like yeah. that being like a thing, like watching all those games with my parents, like going to family parties to watch them try to win their third straight title. I remember when Jordan retired for sure. I mean, I remember like being in the car and my dad having to tell me like a family member just died. Or <laughs> I'm like, What do you mean he's retiring? Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've just always been a huge basketball fan. I think like when you grow up with the greatest player of all time, yeah, like, easy with that town team in your four <laughs> yeah. years, like that's just gonna grasp you at an early age. And you know, a lot of people got off the bandwagon post Jordan. I was already, for whatever reason, a draft sicko as a young kid, <laughs> so I was all in. Is a young baby. Bulls. I remember like going up to my uncle Louie. We were at the public pool. Uncle Louie hates basketball. He's a big hockey fan. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> and I remember going up to uncle Louie at the pool ahead of the 98 draft and said, uncle Lou, who do you think the bulls should pick Steve Francis or Elton brand? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I was a big Steve Francis guy. I wanted Stevie franchise. Uh, so then I was super into like that rebuild, like post Jordan, like I was all in on Tyson Chandler and Eddie Curry, Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler. Yeah. I was all in on Jay Williams. Oh, so was I, I love Jay Williams. So, his career. For sure. Like I remember when Jay Williams had that triple double and I think it was against Jason Kidd in the nets. I feel like his like first career triple double. And it was just like a fucking awesome moment for him. It's obviously a shame what happened with the motorcycle accident, but yeah, I mean, those teams, like they were obviously so bad in the post Jordan era, but they had like very interesting young players and like, and, and then obviously with Kirk Dang and Ben or, and Nocioni, like those guys were awesome to watch, even though they were never going to be good enough to win a title, but they were just a lot of fun as a team to watch them grow. So like I've, yeah, I stuck with them that entire time for sure. Even the post dynasty year and, I've stuck with them ever since, even with all these other shittier teams. I mean, they were obviously a playoff team for a good amount of time in the D Rose years. And even when he was hurt, they were still competitive with Thibodeau and all that stuff. But uh, hopefully they can get more consistently competitive in the future and actually try to win titles. Sell the team, Jerry Reinsdorf. Sell the team. That's about it. That's all I got here, Ricky. The other option isn't as friendly for you, Jerry. So just sell the team. Yeah. Uh, that's all. Thank you so much for everybody who sent us in questions. Uh, as always, thank you so much. Uh, obviously, now it is we got September coming. I know there's like Eurobasket coming up. I don't think is there any Bulls even playing in that? I guess Dra- is Dragic and Slovenia in that? I'm not even sure. Yeah. I think he is. I think yeah. Dragic is playing in that. Champs, so like Dragic bro. and Luca. Yeah, What's that? Champs. Slo- oh, that is right. Because this didn't. Ha- this hasn't happened in what like five or six I years. I think Luca wasn't was- even in the NBA. Right. Yeah. So like, all right, Goran Dragic, Eurobasket. Obviously, we'll see if this Donovan Mitchell trade happens. Uh, and then training camp. I mean, it is August 30th. So training camp under a month away, I believe. I can't remember when it opens. It might be literally like a month away. Uh, so, yeah, I will be going to Europe for two weeks this weekend. So, uh, fuck yeah, it'll be it'll be nice to get away. Uh, so who knows when we will be back to podcasts again. But obviously, oh, and we also have the Chicago Sky. Hopefully they continue their playoff run and make it to the finals and win it again. Uh, we'll see game two tomorrow. Uh, but again, yeah, since I'll be going to Europe, not sure when we're doing when this pod will be back. So it could be on a little hiatus here, but uh, this is obviously the time to do it for the NBA schedule. Uh, looking forward to it, going to Paris, Florence, and Rome. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait. So it'll be great. That's so uh, dude. I'm going to San Diego this weekend, nice. which is not as cool as Europe. I've never been to Europe. I've never been further away than Toronto. But 
what I want from you is can you chronicle every keep like a little list of every time you see bull stuff abroad? Because we always talk that's actually about really, that's, that is a good idea. How the yeah. bulls are a global brand, but like, you know, start a notes app in your phone and uh, give me some, you know, where you saw someone wearing bull stuff. If you, I will if have you to remember that. Yeah. Good idea. I like, love that idea. I will have to remember that. Uh, I mean, certainly if I've, I feel like if I see somebody, I'll be like, it'll come back to me, but I will try to remember that. I'm, I was I when I went to I went to Greece on my honeymoon in twenty whatever twenty seventeen. I can't remember if I saw bull stuff there. I feel like I might have seen a couple things. There's obviously basketball's Giannis has helped basketball in Greece a ton. Uh, I said I bought a Giannis Greece jersey there. The first restaurant I went to in Greece, I was we were walking around Athens trying to find somewhere to pick, and some guy all these guys out in front of the restaurants trying to get you to go there. The guy like showed me a picture of Giannis at the restaurant. I was like, sold. I'm there. Yeah. It's good enough for Giannis. It's good enough for me. So that, and it was good. So that was good. But yeah. All right. I will, I'll keep that in mind. I will be on a lookout for bulls gear all across Europe, France, and Italy. So yeah, that'll be fun. Anything else, Ricky? Are we good to go here? I think we're good to go. All right. That'll do it for us here at cash considerations. A Bulls podcast. As always shout out to the blue wire network. You love what we're doing here at Cash. Go check out all the other great pods. And for us here at Cash, give us those five star readings, rate and review us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. Thanks again to all our followers for those great questions today. So again, uh, we'll see what, when this will be next time. We'll talk. Not totally sure because I'll be gone. He's gone on a little bit K as well. So some cash considerations. A Travels podcast. We will talk to you guys next time. And go Sky. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.